With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts Off the Post. Off the Pizzed. Where we... Ping Pong Post. We being me and Michael, answer you, you being you, if you ask the question. But like we said last time we did this, if you didn't ask a question, first of all, you're lazy. I mean, I, I just don't understand. You're a layabout. Um, and, um, you know, you're not as good as the people who do ask questions. And you're really, even if you ask a question, unless you donate to the Patreon, you are not as good as those people. So it goes, people who donate to the Patreon and ask questions, people who donate to the Patreon and don't ask questions, people who donate to the Patreon and maybe murder people, um, people who ask questions and but don't donate, and then people who don't donate and don't ask questions. So you want to be up on that list near the top. Mike told me to say that, by the way. So, uh, Michael, we had a very long, very delicious, very juicy juice flagship show, almost an hour, with Allison L. from The Athletic. Talk all about Columbus Blue Jackets and all that fun stuff, and JD and Panarin, and uh, to Shane Dubinsky, Tortorella. Um, so we're going to speed round. You ready to speed round? Oh, I was just saying I've been having a lovely night with you. I'd love to. No, you said horrifically mean things before and, uh, I started recording, and I'd like to uh, feed you grapes on a on a cheese no, lounge. No, it hurt. It, it hurt me, and nope. I don't okay. even know what to say. To be completely honest with you, I'm just right. just a ball of emotion right now. So I haven't looked at any of these questions this week, by the way. Good. Maybe you shouldn't be a cheater. Uh, let's start with this one, Larry Bubbs. Larry Bubbs. How the fuck is this going to work? And he's talking about the Kevin Hayes trade to the Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> uh, the answer, Larry, is we don't know. Um, we have no... I don't know. I, I don't know. First of all, he has to sign in Philadelphia. Let's get that out of the way. Yeah. Um, but... That's going to be what we call in the business step one. Yeah, that's totally. step one. And then, you know, the Flyers are relatively sturdy down the middle. Yeah, it's what we are talking about so with, I'm a little with Allison on confused. the flagship. They are, like, you know, 1C, you have Couturier, if you're going to keep Giroux on the wing, and it's been proven you can put him in either place. Personally, I would have Giroux at, at center, but if you want a more stacked line, and Couturier is obviously an outstanding player, and 2C, you have, you know, second overall pick, Nolan Patrick. That's a great option at 2C. You have, you know, after him, you have a couple of guys coming up through the system. I know there's Morgan Frost there, and there's also... On the roster now is a guy like Scott Lawton, who's a uh, who's an RFA. 
Um, I don't know too much about him other than, you know, he had, you know, I think he had okay numbers this past season. I'd have to look again, so I'm not speaking out of school. Um, so, you know, there's a caveat to that, which is I don't know uh, the Flyers' bottom six as well as, you know, I know the Rangers' bottom six. But is is this the Flyers wanting uh, their 3C to be Kevin Hayes, Joe? And if so, what are they going to pay him? And I mean, we don't know the answers to anything. Well, he, he gets to walk into the negotiating table and, and take his wee-wee and just put it down on the table and say, this is my wee-wee. So That's this. Be- That's what because, this and look, you if you're the Philadelphia Flyers, you've, you've traded a fifth-round pick. If it turns into nothing, it's nothing. But you are making a pretty pronounced stance that this is the guy that we want. We They obviously want to sign him. Otherwise, they wouldn't have traded him in the first place. And that does allow Kevin Hayes and his agent a little bit more negotiation room when it comes to saying things like, I want X, Y, and Z. I mean, if why wouldn't else, he ask for seven years? It's great news for Kevin Hayes. Because, it's great news for Kevin Hayes. And on another yeah. level, it's great news for the Rangers because there were whispers that really were starting to gain a little bit of traction that there was mutual interest in him coming back to the New York Rangers. I just don't see that being a fit for what the Rangers are right now. So, next question. Next question. Mateus Petrunsky. MP. Mateus. That's what we're going to call him. Or Matthias. Uh, Joseph and Michael. Why is there even talk of buying out Shattenkirk? Makes no sense at all. Play him. Let him rebuild his value and try to trade him at the deadline when he will be in demand. Thoughts? Want to leave this off, Michael? Oh, sure. I have a story. Um, Penis. That probably should already be up by the time the Q&A goes live, Joe, where I I look at, specifically from our last podcast, remember someone asked us, why not buy out Stahl and Smith, right? And that was like, you and I were kind of slightly tripped up by that. And generally, our you know shooting from the hip answer was, you know, no. it's a lot of dead space. And I did the numbers. I, you know, I did the math on it. And essentially what I, the conclusion I come to, to TLDR, my own story is it's a lot of dead space. Uh, and it could be prohibitive in terms of, uh, you know, the pursuit of free agents. But I did touch on the Shattenkirk thing. I don't entirely understand where the buy Kevin Shattenkirk out comes from. I know, you know, Brooksy wrote about it. Uh, Both the eye test and the underlying numbers tell me that Kevin Shattenkirk was the team's best defenseman uh, last season. Uh, The season before, he played with one kneecap. I'm not going to hold that against him. And even then, his boxcar stats were still great in terms of, like, points per game. And this season, a significant decrease or a significant like subtraction in what his role was and how he was valued, even though we had all the fun hype around him and uh, David Quinn. Like buying Kevin Shattenkirk out doesn't make sense. One, he still has trade value. Even right now, I believe you could trade him and retain part of the salary and get something in return. What that something is, is a question mark. But if it's a question of, are the Rangers better off without him in the picture to clear up space for some of these young D... I feel like the most likely thing we'll see happen, Joe, is the Rangers buy out Smith because there are strong connections to Stahl. After that, I feel like the next best solution is buying out Stahl and trying to trade Smith for anything. But I, it's buying out Shattenkirk is way down the list. It's not on the first page of good ideas to me. I don't, I don't really understand why that is viewed as the best solution here when there are other guys you need to buy out, like 
the Rangers' issue is not cap space, really. They just have a couple of these contracts, Shattenkirk, Smith, and Stahl, that gum up the works for the next two years, because they're all signed through the next two years, Joe, right? It's just a question of you got to get one, maybe two of them out of the way before those two years are up to make room for these these young D that are going to be here. And Shattenkirk is, is the the best of the group and he's the best of the defensive core right now i i don't i would never buy him out yeah i'm of the same mind i i think first of all the rangers really should avoid buyouts at all costs uh you know Girardi like is right. 3.11 on the cap next season. Girardi's and, a it's dead weight. I mean, if you're going to do it for Smith, the Rangers aren't in a position where they're really going to contend yeah. next year. I mean, if think about what Girardi's 3.11 million. It's just for the one year, and then after this year, it's two years, I believe, at 1.11. Yeah, it's, it's, but it's, what would that cap hit, that dead weight, mean on a team that's trying to be a cup contender? Right, where it's, you it's have, enormous. That's like. That's a ton of money just from one guy that's just tying it up. And to talk about buying out another player, you're, you're talking about compounding the dead weight that's already here. And not to mention next year that Rangers also have 900k of uh, Spooner uh, as well. So like, it's you want to avoid this. And obviously, because he's the most expensive, Shattenkirk's buyout would be the most expensive. Like it would have the highest the highest cap in terms of the buyout hit. So. Uh, it, to answer you know this question, I don't know where this comes from outside of the Brooksy thing, um, and I feel like there is just a a general overreaction. To, yeah, but now now you have Sean guys Kirk struggles like Bob McKenzie saying it, and it it, it 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 just does sort of feel like there is a little bit more smoke to this than there should be. If this was something that was completely off the table, I just don't and get it. Though, why, really yeah, why is it? Why Shatton? First of all, why buy somebody out? That's that's the real thing. Why buy somebody out? Especially like it would be a diff. Like it's funny you, the the way this timeline works is funny to me, right? Because there's the expansion draft, and so maybe you know if things worked out differently, it's like oh, you know what? Uh, maybe Seattle takes one of these guys off our hands. That's not what's going to happen because yeah. the way this lines up is these guys become UFAs uh, during you know when the off season when that expansion draft will happen, and then. So you have to ask yourself, all right, so who's who's going to be here? And that's the big question, I feel like, is everyone is trying to figure out what the hell this defense looks like. And, you know, the Adam Fox trade definitely didn't make things more transparent and clearer, right? They didn't add any clarity. So who who stays, who goes? And, like, it's obvious that Smith is the guy both in terms of you know what the front office thinks and fans thinks is the most expendable of those three, uh, just because he just you know they played him at left wing for God's sake, and now after him, Stahl has a really unique connection to the Rangers. He's been here forever, former first round pick. I would imagine he's a guy who's much respected in the locker room. But then again, maybe they want fresh blood, you know, and a new leadership group. Otherwise, you know, he's kind of the leading contender to be captain, especially with. You know, Kreider's future so up in the air, and the, but then Shattenkirk was kind of this. He was the big ticket free agent before the rebuild was announced, right? So maybe that's why he's viewed in this way. Like he he was this late addition, and he was this kind of extravagance or this luxury, right, Joe? Where you don't really need him. But with all that being said, 
if you want a guy who's going to help the kids play, Shattenkirk is is a great option. But I feel like the front office perception might be you want a quote-unquote shutdown D, a guy you can feed those D zone minutes to. And that would be the perception that player, uh, I think, is stall. Even though I would argue that Shattenkirk would do just as good as the job, meaning his numbers would look just as rocky or probably better if he's given that far more difficult role of, you know, D zone starts and killing penalties. I just, I don't understand the, uh, the phobia of, of not buying out Kevin Shattenkirk. I don't understand where it comes from. It's stupid, Michael. It's foolish. No, All right. I, gonna... I, I talked at length about it because I just wrote a, like, you know, a 1500 word piece about you get it. Get so. it. Cause you think you're better than me. That's what that's it right. is. Generally. That's right. Um, all right, I'm going to merge the next three questions because they're all kind of the same thing. So, but we Greg, value all of you equally. We, I'm going to read each question individually. Okay. Um, Greg Buckley asks Tony D'Angelo and Leas out Anderson for Truba. Is it enough to get it done? If so, do you pull the trigger? Um, Vincendo or Vintendo, kind of like Nintendo, but with a V, said, would it be more worthwhile to package Anderson into a trade if he was the deciding factor for a guy like Truba, or would you rather give him another season to find his game with the Rangers? And then finally, Dennis asked, what is the deep fascination with trading for Truba? There's nothing I can see in his stats that suggests game-changing first pair D. What am I missing? So let's start here. Okay. I would do D'Angelo Anderson for Truba in a heartbeat. I don't think Winnipeg would. Um, I would. Truba is 25 years old right now. He's a first pairing defenseman. the The statistics are very favorable in that regard. He's not necessarily a flashy. He's not a PK Subban. You know what I mean? He's not going to score 60 points, but he absolutely shores up the Rangers' defense, and he does so while adding just a level of competency that the Rangers really haven't had there since in his prime, Ryan McDonough. A guy like Truba probably doesn't change much next year, especially if you're giving away Tony D'Angelo in the deal. But when you do start to get real seasons out of Adam Fox and you do start to get, hopefully, the world championship Brady Shea is next year's Brady Shea. If Kevin Shattenkirk is still around, when Keontre Miller comes up and, and Niles Lundquist and all that stuff, that's when a guy like Truba kind of makes a difference. His timeline is a little off from where the Rangers would want to be, but if you add him and Panarin, it's pretty crazy, especially with Adam Fox. Um, I'm the Leah Sanderson question is a little bit loaded. I am of the mind that the Rangers should probably just explore if there's any change of scenery deals out there that might work, like maybe Elias Sanderson for Sonny Milano, or you know Elias Sanderson for um, what is it, Pujarvi from Edmonton. What's how do you say his name? Bouillardi. Bouillardi. You know, one of those deals out there. But overall, the Rangers are going to be in on Truba, according to Bob McKenzie. I think it's going to be more expensive than you think it is. I don't think you should give up on a prospect until you're 100% sure. And the problem the Rangers have is they have no like safe and sound way to really come away with a comfortable evaluation of what the hell they have for guys who spent a significant amount of time in Hartford. But it doesn't it make a and difference that in this case you're trading for a known 25-year-old? Oh no, I'm 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 addressing the question of uh trading someone like an Anderson. Oh, uh, okay. Go uh, on. It, but 
to answer the the first question, would I do Anderson and ADA for for Truba? Yeah, I would. I mean, uh, all things considered, I would be like, eh, former seventh overall pick, but given what the Rangers have, and you know, and given you know what what they're coming into this draft with, I would do it, knowing that you you can talk to Truba and immediately just say to him like, you know, this is what we gave Brady Shea. We're prepared to give you, you know, north of that without it getting out of hand. And uh, maybe you, you negotiate with Winnipeg to, you know, see what his contract demand might be like. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely do that. The The other question is when, like, because giving up on Anderson is a tricky thing. Uh, I don't know how comfortable we can feel about his, where we stand on him as a prospect knowing how much of a shit show Hartford was and also knowing that when he was with the Rangers and he did play a significant amount of time uh, in terms of just games played not minutes played of course in New York but he you know who is he playing with who is he playing around and also the other really important question is here is like what was he actually projected to be like he is not he was never really projected to be the first line scoring center. That was not, you know, the the draft profile for for Elias. And that's that has a lot to do with the front office and uh, scouting and Gordy Clark and all that, but he was the player they chose. And that means they thought he was an important piece of of what was going to be a part of this organization in the long run and maybe since that trade that has changed. And if it has changed, then yeah, talk about what it would be. But I also think you have to be very careful about trading a guy who, you know, has really, we haven't scratched the surface of what he can be. I know a lot of us are quick, like are, are eager to, to kind of slap a label on him and say, you know, he's a third line center or a second line center at best or what have you. But He's still pretty fresh in the face to me, Joe. I, yeah, I, I don't I disagree res- with that. I reserve judgment for a while. I do think there's something to be said for teams that realize when, maybe a little bit too soon, that the risk profile isn't worth holding on to a guy. And I'm not saying that that's the case with Leah Sanderson. The, the Rangers, I really wish they didn't hype him up the way that they did when they drafted him. If they would have just kind of... They did you know, a huge and it, it, it is Right, and it's almost impossible not to when you take a guy seventh overall and it's really the first real first-round draft pick that you've had in forever. And you just... its It really was the perfect storm. And there was really no one in that class that was going to not get some level of criticism at seven. It would have been wonderful if uh, Pedersen fell, but he didn't. So it is what it is. The Rangers tried to trade up for Makar. Again, that would have been wonderful. It didn't happen. So, yeah, there's definitely, it's a rough situation. But if you do a a change of scenery trade with a very similar prospect, it's a little bit easier to swallow. And Leah Sanderson very well may be a great middle-of-the-road center for the New York Rangers. And that's not a bad thing. But... I do think there's reasons to be concerned. That's all. But, yeah, would I trade him and, and D'Angelo over Truba? You fucking bet you would. Um, Bob Kawa asks, what is the absolute most you'd give up to get Truba on the blue line? And what do you think the Rangers would be willing to part with? Or do I you think, think the Rangers would be able to willing... Da, 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 do you think the Rangers would be willing to part with the kind of assets Winnipeg would want? 
I don't. Winnipeg is going to ask for the moon and the stars, and they should. But Winnipeg's also in a weird position where, like, this is going to be the third time around that the two of them are at odds with one another. And the uglier that gets, the worse it gets. The Rangers just gave up pretty much guaranteed two second round picks for Adam Fox, who is younger than Truba, but far less of a sure thing, right? Four years younger, but far, far less of a, of a sure thing. Winnipeg is coming into this draft without their first, without a third. Like, they have, I feel like, good reason to be intrigued to pick up picks, but I feel like this is a team that is still in a win-now mode. They want younger players or guys who can, who can be a part of the solution now. As opposed to you know getting like a, an early draft pick back, that doesn't to me it doesn't seem like that's what Winnipeg wants, right? Um, although you know I'm not I'm not a Kevin Chevaldeoff, so I don't know. Um, but yeah, like what what is the most the Rangers should be willing to give up? Is I don't know. Like I guess the answer would be you you'd love for the Rangers to to part ways with a guy who you know. It has inflated value, like someone like a Strom or a VC. But the bottom line is, it's it's going to take that plus the world. Like that is just one small brick in you know the building that you're going to have to move to get a guy like Truba away from them. And the question then becomes like, all right, well, you know, what names are we talking about? Kreider only has one year left, and I know people have mentioned him there for a while. Uh, you know, Brendan Lemieux, we just got from from them like is it a player like Buchnevich like a guy who's you know starting to get I would to... certainly ask for Buchnevich if I was Winnipeg yeah if I was Winnipeg I would definitely be talking about and, and that's where y- you start again it's kind of would like... you be asking about Brady Shea if you're Winnipeg mm, probably not yeah I would and if you I do ask there. about Brady Shea you ask about him in kind of a throwaway role because he didn't have the best season last year but who knows Winnipeg might not look at him that way you know what they I mean also have, the other thing is Winnipeg has Tyler Myers uh, who's a UFA now so he's off the book so on the blue line they have Bufflin for two more years he's 34 they have Kulikov they have Josh Morrissey who they have to lock up after next season he's a great D and Sammy Niku and Tucker Pullman like they I know that negotiations haven't been great with Truba but I don't feel like they're going to be in a they're not going to be bent over a barrel because they know they need defense if they want to be serious about getting to the cup final like they there's a lot of reasons for Winnipeg to say we're going to try to make a Truba extension work and if not you better be sending back a D in this trade this is just the way, just like looking at the, the contracts and the rosters, the way they stand right now. Like, if I was Winnipeg, I would definitely goddamn want a D in this deal. Yeah, but that that's the flip side of this, too, is they have a Patrick Line issue. Like, their priorities are all fucked up right now. I don't know. It's an interesting, it's a really interesting situation. We talk about, you know, Columbus and, and what they went through and... You know, Allison kind of explained the situation that they're in. Winnipeg's in a really weird situation, too. A really weird situation. Next question. Doughboy9000 exclamation point Finland flag emoji. Mm. What would you like the new New York Rangers alternate jerseys to look like? 
re-image or sorry reimagined liberty or more like the navy heritage ones something completely different i loved the cream jerseys from the winter classic against uh the flyers i'm not a huge liberty fan i've said this before i really i'm I not know. a huge fan and you of prefer liberty. the white liberty jersey which makes i, you I do well it's just it's such a cleaner look than the blue I don't know. I don't know what I would want. Mike is the artist here. Yeah. The, so the Rangers, I always, when I'm asked about this question, um, you know, at bars and around friends who are or also Rangers uh, fans or grew up watching the Rangers, I always point out a couple of things. The Rangers are the only team in the NHL without a mascot. They're very much... Which I kind of like. They're... But to me, that's it's very much part of the culture, right? It's They're not a gimmicky, gimmicky club. Um, in terms of the way they present themselves, they you know they kind of uh, instigated the bringing the strings back to the front of the jersey at the collar and and things like that. Like they are far more into the idea of vintage and retro. Um, in fact, like looking back, like it was Lady Liberty, and then there was that awful jersey in the seventies. Um, you know where it's just a giant Ranger shield. Um, you know I think it was the Esposito era, like not a lot of diversity in, in terms of the jerseys because of that just give me the give me the dark navy blue with the with the with the cream you know that that off-white beige color for the for the alternate just keep it like, embrace the navy and keep it retro because i feel like if you stray too far from that you get gimmicky i feel like you can do lady liberty and modernize it and make it kind of less goddamn 1997 with diagonal sleeve stripes and shit but uh, it would have to be done carefully and what we've seen with you know with jerseys and the way they've been is teams feel like more often than not they opt for for radically different from what their normal jerseys look like uh for their alternates and because of that i just even though it can be boring just give me the give me the safe winter classics. Yeah, I'm also I'm a big believer in the fact that the Rangers have nearly 90 years of history. They're an original six team. You don't mess what's not broken. So leave it the way that it is. Um, I missed a question somewhere around here. Hang on, Anthony McHale. Do you think there is any realistic possibility Kako can transition to center and be just as good as he would be on the wing? Our top nine would be insane if Kako could play center because that would keep Kreider and grab Panarin. I don't think you change him. He has played center before. No. You, you take the scoring winger and you just go with it. You, you, you pet him gently on the head and you, and you say, what, what, what makes you most comfortable, buddy? And the answer is pretty obvious that it's winger. They should not muck around with moving him around between center and wing unless it's like, oh, one of our centers is hurt for a week. Do you want to play center for three or four games? Um, just for the hell of it, and, and see what he looks like there as an NHL center. And, yeah, that's fine. And then put that in your pocket for later to keep in mind. But I, that is not something I would flirt around with. Like, uh, it's one thing to it's one thing to have a guy who you draft as as a center and play him at wing to make him fit on your NHL roster, like what happened with Heedle. Like that's a different beast. But to get a guy who's predominantly a winger who does have a history of playing center, but it's obvious that you know he's a wing, and then say like, I don't know, he'd be even more valuable if he was a center. Just what what makes him special is the way he plays at wing. Stick with that. As tempting as it is, I would stick with that. 
I think that's a fair, uh, I'm completely, my microphone isn't always muting, so sometimes I think I'm muting, and I'm not, and I'm just sitting here, I think I'm not doing anything bad. Uh, Panero in 2020, hey Joe and Mike, with the draft rankings about to be finalized, do we think there was a chance that Pat Colson will drop to the Rangers with the Winnipeg pick, or do we think the Rangers will take him if he's still on the board at 20? Um, I don't know, I don't know where he's going to land for the Rangers, he's likely a top five talent, but the wrinkle with him, and I just found this out last week, Pod Colson is signed for the next two years in Russia. And a lot of teams probably especially that high because if, Don't like it. Right, if you're a team in the 20s, you could take a risk on a guy like him where you are getting a top five talent. And who cares if you have to wait a couple of years? You know, the Capitals, the Penguins, teams uh, kind of on that back end of the spectrum – Winnipeg, well, I guess to a lesser extent Winnipeg actually, but the Blues, the Bruins, they don't give a shit about that. Would I take him with the the pick at Winnipeg? Hell yeah, I would. Absolutely. Yeah, I would too. So that's kind of the... Oh, all right, here we go. We got Stink Fleeman. You ready for this? Yep. Hello, Joe and Smith Smurphy. Smirk. Smitchell. Smitchell Smurphy. What hurts an organization more? Bad coaching, bad drafting, or bad free agent signing slash trades? That is an amazing question. I would probably tell you bad free agency signing and trades will hurt you the quickest and will probably get you in the most trouble. In the cap era, I would say that's the answer. But bad drafting is will kill you over time and like it will poison the well. Yeah, because in a way, good drafting is a solution to bad trades and free and agent signings. signings. You they, can't fix bad drafting. When you have four or five years of whiffs, you have to go out and make free agent signings. And you have to go out and swing on trades. Bad coaching, I feel like it is always... Bad coaching, to me, is a problem that eventually solves itself because a bad coach will only hold on to a position for so long before a fan base does put enough pressure because they are the butts in the seats. They are buying the merchandise. Butts just sitting, touching the seat. The bad the bad drafting is so it, it's it it's so it's longer term damage. Yeah, it's looking at I'm working on a piece for banter right now where I look at, you know, what what does it mean you know what should you expect from like a second overall pick in terms of their production? And uh, since the 2005 draft, there have been 11 forwards taken second overall. Joe, eight of them had 35 or more points in their rookie seasons. The three who didn't: Tyler Sagan, Alexander Barkov, and Nolan Patrick. Like, you're getting a great player too. But in this piece I'm working on, I also looked at like generally, you know, what do forwards do? in the first round and since the the 0405 lockout there are 79 forwards drafted in the first round who have 35 or more points in their rookie seasons so that's out of 287 players that's roughly 27.5 percent have that immediate impact of 35 or more points and that doesn't necessarily mean that's good teams drafted 28 you know whatever percent of the time but, like, you look around, like, the Rangers drafted well in the third round after trading away all their first-round picks, right? It's a weird little weird little wrinkle to the Rangers' history in the last ten years. Is They found some really interesting players in the third round. 
but then you look around the league and there are just some teams who do it better and like when you're a team that doesn't have you can't spend to the cap you need to draft well because you can't go after everyone in free agency and when you do do trades you're often trading for guys who you can get to longer contracts so you know they're there and you know you have you know cost controlled asset the rangers are a team that can have anything they want which makes me feel like the answer to this question might be the draft and in a world without the cap i would say it's the draft but because the cap's here i think it's trades and and free agent signings and the draft is a really close second but it's like right there for me yeah it's a really good question it's a really good question. It's an awesome question. Um, Tyler McGillick. McGillick. Mick Gillick. McGillick, bring me that. What sturgeon. is the ideal defensive roster in October? October, if Truba comes October. aboard, take into account if uh, one of our existing deer in the deal. This is really the million-dollar question, and and it's part of the reason why. But on a much lesser scale, because the timeline works better with Truba than it does Carlson, why Carlson is a bad idea, which is you theoretically have two defensemen who are coming up through the ranks in Keandre Miller and Niles Lundquist. You have Adam Fox. You have Brady Shea. I'm talking long-term players right now. It's also um, Igor Rikov. And- right, Igor Rikov. You have Tony D'Angelo, Lieber Hayek, and I'm not even including... Lindgren, because I, I don't think he's an NHL defenseman. What do you do? I mean, really, what, like, where, even if you trade D'Angelo in the Truba trade, shot. what happens? It's just All a right, lot. Joe, so your ideal first pair with Truba, I'd say you have Brady Shea, Jacob Truba. Okay. Go on. All right, so on your second pair, the real question becomes, is Kevin Shattenkirk still a Ranger? Let's say he is. Okay. Yeah, I would say yet yes. Let's say he is. So who do you play with Kevin Shattenkirk? Do you play Adam Fox? I mean, I'm assuming Tony D'Angelo's both. traded oh. for Truba. By the way, I would assume so too because we're talking about four guys on the right side, all of whom have an offensive inclination to their game. All right, so is it? It's is it? Dare we say it's Mark Stahl? I don't think it's Mark Stahl. Yeah, I don't think it is either. So who the hell is there? Is it Libor Hayek and Kevin Schoenkirk? I don't think that's what's going to happen. And this is, like, this is, to me, this is the problem of trying to project what it looks like. And I've done this for weeks now. And with each new rumor, it just becomes a a bigger and darker cloud of uncertainty. Is we we need to see a domino fall. We need to see what happens. Like, is Neil Pionk going to get re-signed? Or is he going to get dealt? Same question stands for D'Angelo. We're all operating under the assumption that Freddie Clayson just doesn't even get qualified and he hits free agency. That hasn't happened yet. We don't know what the hell is going to happen. There's Is Igor Rikov going to really challenge for a spot on this NHL roster? If so, he's a left side D. I agree with you about Ryan Lindgren. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and then like in terms of you know the babies who might make a jump, there's no one else that's really like a realistic option. Like uh, I don't think Brandon Crawley or Sean Day are suddenly be- going to become NHL-ready defensemen. So what we have is a surplus of guys you'd be most comfortable with on the third pair who play the right side. Adding Truba takes away some pressure there. 
but it doesn't really address what goes on with Mark Stahl. Um, and let's say if Mark Stahl is bought out, does that mean Brendan Smith is your second pair lefty? A guy who spent, you know, the last third of the season playing playing wing when he was good enough to crack Quinn's lineup. It's just a it's just a clusterfuck, dude. Like I don't I don't know. Yeah, there's there's and that's Ah, uh, what do you do? I mean, listen, the Rangers are going to have answers to the and who knows, maybe, you know, we're not even talking about Pionk, which I think is an enormous there's just a lot that's going on right now. Um all right, let's go to the very my daughter is yelling again, so my wife is going to kill me. Let's speed round the next questions. You ready? All right, speed round. Richard Cologne. I like this question. If the opportunity presents itself, would you trade the 20th overall for a first-round pick in 2020? Depends on the team. Yeah, it depends on the team. And honestly, it does kind of depend on, as Mike says, who's on the board. I'm not trading a 20th overall pick for a pick that you think is going to end up on the back end. But I will say this. The 2020 draft is so good that even if it's a fringe team, I think I do the trade. Like a Colorado, I really think about it. Because you just don't know. You just don't know. Uh, Andrew McNitt, what type of contracts do you expect slash want to see for the main RFAs this summer? Namely, D'Angelo, Buchnevich, and Lemieux. I'd love to see a five-year deal for Buchnevich. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to get a bridge deal. Um, I th- same for D'Angelo. And bridge honestly, Lemieux. same for Lemieux. You're, you're not – I mean, Lemieux should come in around what? 1.2 million yeah, maybe 1.5 maybe yeah the twins had had something and i and i looked at it for the uh, the buyout piece because i was trying to figure out like how much cap space do the rangers really have and i was looking at you know i know we're speed rounding this so i'll keep it short but like generally it's two-year deals for those guys and you can get brennan the Mew for sure under two million a year uh Buchnevich is the really big question D'Angelo, he scored at such a rate that, like, he is a guy who's, like, probability-wise, other defensemen who have scored his kind of, who have had similar production have gotten things like four or five-year deals. And that's the one that makes you put your finger inside of your collar and, you know, go like, I don't know what's going to happen there because he is, you know, whatever, however you might, whatever opinion you have about the opinions he states and on social media and you know his his history with uh immaturity on the ice and things like that however you might uh wherever you land on either side of that if it's even a thing where we have to pick sides like to me he's just a player that there's risk involved because of an attitude thing there um his attitude can be a great strength and a great weakness but it's also a distraction and teams don't like that uh neil pionk i'd love for the rangers to sign him for one year and then try and trade him or just trade him just, Just trade him right away. Sell him high, high, high. Sports guy three forty five. What would you want in a Marluta Rangers trade? To take the cap hit off of their books. So, really, you'd be saying you give us that contract, and we're going to take. Yeah, there's one year left, so the Rangers really don't have a ton of risk in what they're inheriting. But stop letting teams like Toronto out of their fucking mistakes. Yes, you have to pay a lot for that. That's I mean, my Timothy Lilligren. Um, I don't know. All right, final question. Since you don't know, well, it's a tough question. Like uh, 
Toronto's situation is so crazy right now. Like, but for, forget Toronto. Could the Rangers get like Capitan? I don't know. Like, I don't what know the hell either. Could, they get could, could the Rangers do a little par- a Nylander Marlu parlay? I don't think they don't want to trade Nylander. That's no, they the don't. Thing. But they have to trade Marlu, and they have to make room for fucking Mitch Marner, who's going to cost eleven million dollars. Uh, and yeah, so like your logic, it follows there, right? Where it's like they'd rather have Mitch Marner than William Nylander. And that makes tons of sense to me, but I just don't think there will be a team that doesn't offer a solution where that's not their only road they can take. No, I don't. I don't disagree with that either. But if I'm the Rangers, I'm especially, asking the question. And, but I'm not saying like, Zaitsev, oh, give us Marlou and Zaitsev, who wants out of Toronto, as we've learned. Zaitsev is four point five million. That's coming off the books. Like, if that deal happens, they're going to have a little more flexibility. It's just a question of how the hell things shake out. Like. Uh, if you can get, you know, like, just, I, there's a couple of guys there who are interesting. Like, I know Jeremy Bracco is a little interesting, and uh, Raspis Sandin's still really young. They just got, they just got college free agent. Someone who I, I highlighted, Joe du- Joseph Duzak, who I kind of yeah. We usually don't trade those guys. Yeah, you don't, you know, trade them. Um, month I, yeah, time. I'm not saying they're going to throw Nylander in the deal. Like, hey, here's the sweetener. I'm talking about a blockbuster deal, but. You know, if you do yeah, agree to take Duzak, on a, a guy like Marlowe, you just kind of Jeremy Bracco shift it around. Seventy nine points in the AHL. Yeah, we'll take him games. in a heartbeat. Right. Final question. Yeah. Clem Fandango. Clem Fandango. Do you see any of the younglings, Anderson Howden, Kravstoff, starting in Hartford? Killing younglings. Or being used as trade bait. Kravstoff's not going to be used as trade bait. He also won't be starting in Hartford. Um, I can't imagine Howden will either. Anderson's a toss-up. I don't. I really don't know. If someone comes inquiring about Leah Anderson, Jeff Gorton's going to answer the call. Yeah, you, you kind of have to. Like, I feel like these David Quinn and the front office loves Brett Howden, and to some extent, they might love Brett Howden more because they kind of have to love him and Libor Hayek, given what they gave up in that trade, right? They they have a lot of reason to stick with those guys based on the fact that it cost them JT Miller and Ryan McDonough. And Vladimir, like, I don't know what they thought Nemesikov was going to be, but he ain't the guy who was on the Kucherov-Stamkos line. That's obvious. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I do they dangle Howden? I don't think so. I think they, they want to give these kids a chance to play. And that's why I think generally the guys they're going to be dangling are the Jimmy VCs, are the Nemestikovs, are the Chris Kreiders. These guys who, you know, the Ryan Stroms even, if they can move them. Like these guys who you can tell there's a shelf life on these guys, right, Joe? Like they're they're here, but they're not going to be here long. Maybe even Jesper Fast, who knows? Like they do have to make room. Like not all these guys can stick around and next season it's Kreider, Vlad, Jimmy VC, Mapaleski, and Jesper Fast are all pending UFAs. No, uh, no D are pending UFAs. Thank you all for listening. Patreon.com slash BlueShirtBanter. Go ahead and donate to us and give us money. Yeah, consider um, pretty soon I'm going to be checking the Patreon again to send out the next wave of stickers. Yeah, see, I there you go. A whole new... Whole new wave of uh, patrons. And a whole new stickers and wave. And hopefully, we'll get all that sorted out by the end of the month. Yeah. Been, uh, both Joe and I have had a lot of headaches with personal lives going on, but we're doing our best to stay on top of it because you guys keep the show going. We appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Thank you all.
Bye-bye, friends. Penis.